So let's turn to the word of the Lord this morning. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. We're going to continue this morning. It's the third part of a series I've been teaching entitled The Unseen. We're talking about the importance of being able to recognize the kingdom of heaven and to govern our lives by principles and promises of the kingdom that we can't see with our natural eye. In Hebrews chapter 11, the first three verses, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. By it the elders obtain a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So faith being the evidence, the realization, or the confidence of things that are not seen. In the Gospel of John, chapter 3, when Jesus was in communication with Nicodemus, who had come to him by night inquiring about salvation, Jesus answered uh, Nicodemus, and he said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Cannot see the kingdom of God. So to me, that's implying that there's a kingdom, and there's also a kingdom to see. Are you with me so far? There's a kingdom of God, and that when we are born again, we should be able to see things of the kingdom of God. Hebrews tells us that the way we see these are, is it's through the eye of faith, faith being the evidence of things that are not seen. So it's very important that we develop our eye of faith and that we don't continue to go through life and because the, the, the reality is if we don't change the way we see things or the way we perceive things, we will live our entire lives thinking and believing that what we see in the natural realm with our natural eyes is superior reality and that's all there is to life. There's much more to life, to the life of faith than what we are seeing with our natural eye. I mean, there's, there's plenty to see with our natural eye that's majestic, that's wonderful. I mean, when you think of the natural wonders of the world and just the beauty of creation, then to think that the, the beauty, what we call the beauty of creation is really a, uh, under the curse. You know, the whole earth is under the curse. And so just imagine what the new heaven and the new earth is going to be like. I mean, this gives you plenty to think about and try to envision how majestic and how wonderful, how grand the, the, the new heaven and the new earth will be. In the Gospel of John, we also have a conversation towards the end of the Gospel of John where the disciples are in the upper room and Jesus appeared to them. Thomas had not been with them. Later when Thomas appeared, he said, Jesus was here. And he said, well, you know, I, I, I can't believe that. I, I choose not to believe that unless I can see, unless I can touch. Some days later, they're in the upper room together, uh, doors being closed. Jesus appeared to them again, and he particularly uh, zeroed in on Thomas because he had heard his words that he spoke, that he said he wouldn't believe it unless he'd see it. So Jesus gave Thomas what he needed to believe. He said, look here, touch here. And he said, Thomas, you know, of course, Thomas then confessed, my God, you know, you are the Lord. Jesus said, blessed are you because you have seen me and believed. But he went on to say, blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed. So when Jesus is saying, blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed, he's talking about you're believing the promises of the kingdom. You believe the promises of the word of God, even though you're not, you're not seeing it manifested with your natural eye. You believe it because God said it. You believe it because it's the promise of scripture, of a covenant-keeping God. His word is sufficient for you. 
And the reality, what, you know, the place where I am, am aspiring to get to, and I hope that you will as well, is that I'm living a life that, that I have made a commitment that not seeing is never a reason for not believing. I will never read the scriptures. I will never hear the scriptures being proclaimed while I'm in an attitude or a posture of, I'm not going to believe that until I see it. It may sound innocent enough, but it's really, it's detrimental. So you never want to take up a posture. I never want to take up a posture. I will not believe that unless I see it. I just can't believe that. Well, I made up my mind that if it's in the Word of God, I'm going to believe it. I may wrestle believing it. I may see things that are detrimental to what I'm believing. I may be experiencing things that are detrimental to what I'm believing, but I am still believing. I'm saying, no, I choose to believe even though I'm not seeing it, I am choosing to believe and to see it through the eye of faith. I see the desired outcome. I see the promises of God fulfilled through the eye of faith, and I will not limit my reach to that which is visible to my natural eye. Thank God for our five physical senses that feed information to our brains and let us know what's going on in our environment around us. But there's a sixth sense that we have, and it's called faith. And the, the sense of faith is to feed information to us concerning God, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who holds the whole thing together. He created it all, and he's holding the whole thing together, keeping all the, the, everything from uh, just falling apart or colliding and exploding. God is a good God. He created it. He's holding it all together. I believe in him. Even though I'm not seeing it, I am believing it in Jesus' name. So I'm asking you this morning to turn in your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Colossians, chapter 1. Colossians, chapter 1. In the first couple of weeks, I gave you a couple of examples for those that may not have been here. I encourage you to go back and listen to the messages on, on podcasts. But I gave you the illustration from 2 Kings, chapter 6, on how Elisha prayed for his servant that God would open up, his, open up his eyes, that he might see. God opened up his eyes, and he was able to see that there were more angels with he and Elijah protecting them than there were enemy forces against them. Then uh, we also looked at uh, the book of Numbers, 20, I think it was chapter 22, where Balaam's donkey saw the angels, and he stopped, and Balaam got frustrated with his donkey, but it happened on several different occasions, and finally the Lord opened Balaam's eyes as well, and he was able to see the angel of the Lord. Then he understood what was going on. So there is angelic activity all around us. The Bible is, has promises in the Word of God concerning ministering angels that are assigned unto you. He's put his angels charge over you. Hebrews talks about entertaining strangers because they may be angels. And so I believe that there are ministering angels assigned to each one of us. Your ministering angels are with you. I believe they're here. They came with you. They're here right now, and they'll be here until you leave. They'll leave with you. Amen. You may not ever see them, but I haven't seen my personal protecting angel, but I believe he's protected me on numerous occasions. There's several th events in life that happened that... You know, how did, I, how did I come through that? How did I, how did I escape that without getting hurt? Well, I believe it was ministering angels, the favor of God, and God's ministering angels watching over me and over my loved ones. And I, I make that a, a part of my, my prayer, that thank you, Lord, your angels are with me today, and you're with my family, you're with my loved ones, you're 
keeping us free from harm, from evil, from injury, from sickness, disease. I, I believe that and, and thank him for it in Jesus' name. So they're assigned to you. So don't keep them unemployed. Put them to work. They're looking for something to do. Now for kids, they have plenty to do, <laughs> keeping kids safe. But you know, as we get older, we need to keep our angels. We need to keep them busy. We need to, you know... Give them assignments. Put them to work. So anyway, we're not getting into the whole thing about angels, but they are real. Amen. In Colossians chapter 1, beginning at verse, verse 13, it's talking about Jesus and our deliverance, our being born again. In verse 13, it says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and transferred, uh, it says conveyed, but it means to be transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. So there we can see a transfer, a transfer taking place. We have been taken out of one realm. In this case, it's talking about the realm of darkness, the realm of Satan. And he's, when we accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, he takes us out of the realm of Satan and brought us over into, conveyed us over into, or transferred us from one kingdom into another kingdom. And the kingdom that he transferred us into is the kingdom of his love, the kingdom of his dear son. That happened the moment you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You were transferred from one kingdom government into another kingdom government. You are now in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is in you. It dwells with you. And so, and so that's what we need to develop a consciousness of because it's important that we govern our lives according to kingdom principles. The government of God's kingdom is the government whereby we organize our lives and we govern our lives by the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, and rather than anger and strife and envy and bitterness and unforgiveness, we govern our lives now from kingdom perspective. It's called walking in the love of God rather than walking in the hate of, 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 of darkness. We walk in love. We walk in forgiveness rather than in unforgiveness. We walk in the light rather than walking in darkness. We walk in above rather than walking beneath. So we're walking according to the kingdom of God, but the more we have, the more we develop our eye of faith, the more we see the reality of God's kingdom, the stronger we will become in our commitment and in our posture to stay strong against the attacks of the enemy that are always coming at us, always trying to blind us and to get us to, to, to uh, try to get us, even though we're no longer in the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of darkness is still trying to get us to make decisions based on unforgiveness, based on hatred, based on bitterness, jealousy, envy. You, you, you name it. They just keep coming at you. But when we can see, when you see it, when the light's on, when you know what's happening, you're up on it. You're up on your game. So here's telling us that uh, we've been uh, transfer, transferred into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Next verse says, In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin. Next verse 15 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. I was told about Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is an exact representation of God the Father. You see, Pastor Ray, it'd be a whole lot easier being a Christian. It'd be a whole lot easier being a follower of God if I could just know what God is like, if I could see God, but no one has seen God, so how can I follow God? How can I be committed to God? Well, the good news is Jesus 
manifested in the flesh is an exact representation of God the Father. So if you look at the life of Jesus, what did he say? What did he do? How did he respond? How did he initiate? That is exactly how God would do things because Jesus said, I only do those things that I see my Father doing. An exact representation of God the Father. Hebrews chapter 1, the first couple of verses tell us that. It's an, an exact an exact representation. Not sort of like the Father, not a little bit like the Father, but exactly like him. So you can see what God is like by looking at the life of Jesus. And we have the historical record of the life of Jesus. We have the Gospels recording the life of Jesus, what Jesus said, what Jesus did, how Jesus responded, how he conducted himself. And so we really have a lot to see. And we have a, a, a lot of reasons to be walking in the kingdom of his, of his love. So Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Then verse 16 says, for, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. So for him, for by him, all things were created, visible and invisible. Jesus has the, it has the preeminence. God is the maintainer of cosmic order. He not only created it, but he's the maintainer of cosmic order. The nature of the kingdom of God, the nature of God's kingdoms requires that we as followers of Jesus are to exercise faith and discernment. In Romans chapter 1, verse 17, it says that the just, those that have been born again, those that have been conveyed from the kingdom of darkness over into the kingdom of God's dear son, now that this happened, now that you're over here, now it is required of you to live by faith. To live by faith. Now, faith can, you know, the whole idea of faith many times get distorted because there's many distortions that have taken place as in, in, in far as the categorizing it or the way things have been presented, but the reality is we are to live by faith in God. Faith being the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things that are not seen, the just shall live by faith. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, those who come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So not only believe that he is, but that he is a rewarder. We are to believe that, for without faith, Hebrews 11, 6 continues, says, for without faith, it is impossible to please him. Well, the reason it's impossible to please him without faith is because faith is the substance of things we're hoping for, and it's the evidence of things that are not seen, and our whole Christian pilgrimage is about a God that's invisible, and by faith, I believe he's real. By faith, I believe heaven is a reality, and so by faith, I'm going to heaven. By faith, I'm doing what I'm doing, believing what I'm believing praying what I'm praying, confessing what I'm confessing, putting my hands to what I'm putting my hands to. I'm doing it all by faith because faith is the evidence of things that are not seen. Amen? So it's important that we develop our eye of faith, that we train our eye of faith. The nature of the kingdom requires that we as individuals 
exercise faith and discernment. The Thomas attitude of not believing unless I see it. And the pharisaical attitude of requesting signs, what actually happens is it removes the need to risk faith or to discern what God is doing in the present when the evidence is ambiguous. And that's many times when that, that, that's where we start to waver. We want to believe. Yes, we believe we're together. We're worshiping God. And, and, and okay, I'm going to start believing God for whatever it is, we're, whatever promises we're believing him, whatever commandments we're going to step out in faith, we're going to believe him. Abraham, not knowing where he was going, obeyed by faith, went out. So how can we go out by faith when all the evidence that we're seeing in the natural realm is contrary, but God's word said that I'm to do this, so I believe that I am to do it. I'm going to do it by faith. But all the evidence is very ambiguous. It's not, very, it's not clear at all. Matter of fact, it's contrary to what the Word of God is teaching me. So how do I train my eyes? How do I learn to see by faith when the evidence is so ambiguous? I'm believing God that uh, I, you know, I was ill. and I, The Bible says, well, you pray for the sick and they shall recover. And you pray and you still feel the same. God promised to supply my every need, and so I'm, I'm believing. I'm believing I'm being a good steward. I believe I'm following the commands of Scripture. I'm faithful in giving my tithe and my offerings, and I, I, I'm praying for a financial breakthrough, and, and it's, it's still, it's just ambiguous. It's just, you know, it just seems like I'm always coming up short in the natural. How do I keep believing? How do I train my eye to look beyond this natural, all the natural evidences that are contrary to the promises of God? How do I lift up my eyes and how do I become confident? By faith. Faith is the evidence of things that are not seen. Remember the story, I think it's in... Luke 5, I believe, when Peter was out fishing all night and he didn't catch any fish. Back in on the shore, cleaning their nets. All the village people came out for the, to get their catch of fish for the day and the fishermen had to say, we're sorry, there's, there, you, you don't have any food today, you can't feed your children today, we didn't catch anything last night. And they're cleaning their nets. It's not very fun cleaning up after a project if the project was not successful. It's not very much fun cleaning up after a painting project if you're 90% done and then you decide you don't like the color. <laughs> it's just not much fun when it wasn't productive. But Jesus came to Peter and he said, Peter, let me borrow your boat. Jesus, uh, Peter lent his boat to Jesus. Jesus used the boat to proclaim the gospel, came back in and said, Peter, now launch out again into the deep for a great catch of fish. And Peter argued with Jesus. He said, we fished all night, but then he had a, a light went on. Everyone say, a light went on. And then he made this statement. He says, nevertheless, at your word, I will. And contrary to evidence, contrary to circumstance, contrary to what he experienced, he launched out again at the command of Jesus into the deep, in the daytime. Everything was wrong about what they're doing. You fish at night so the shadow of the sun, you know, the, the, the shadow doesn't scare the fish when you throw the nets in. But, you know, Jesus said, do it, so I'm going to do it. So Peter, by faith, said, nevertheless, 
I'm going to do this, and he did it, and it caused such a great amount of fish that he had to call for his partners, and hit Peter's boat and their partner's boats were so full they began to sink. But that all started, that whole boat sinking load of fish, that whole miraculous, that whole miracle provision occurred because Peter said, nevertheless, at your word, I will. Basically what he was doing, he was saying, this doesn't make any sense to me. I can't see why we are doing this. We are supposed to fish at night, not in the daytime. This, I, I can't see it. This doesn't make any sense. It's contrary. But nevertheless, by faith, I'm going to do it. And by faith, he did it. And by faith, they had a miracle supply of fish. In Luke chapter 17, we have the ten lepers. Lepers in that particular culture, you know, you were outcast, you were quarantined from the, from the culture, and they see Jesus walking by, and they ask Jesus, they cried out to Jesus, Master, Master, have mercy on us, have mercy on us. But by your mercy, we are lepers, but by your mercy. And Jesus responded to the ten lepers, Go, show yourself, to the priest. Now, they were not supposed to go to the priest. You were not supposed to do that unless you were cured. But Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. But they're lepers. They're not supposed to do that. But Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. But they're not supposed to do that. Everyone say, they're not supposed to do that. (laughs) You can get in trouble doing that. You really can. But Jesus said, do it. So they did it by faith. Everyone say, by faith. By faith they went. And if you look at this, let's turn to it. Luke chapter 17, I want you to see it with your eyes. We're talking about developing our eye of faith, so let's rehearse it. Verse 14 says, when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourself to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Say that with me, say, and so it was, as they went. Say that again, as they went. Say it one more time, as they went. Now, how were they when they went? They were lepers, but they're not supposed to do that. But Jesus said, go. But they're not supposed to, but they went. So they cried out to Jesus. Notice they prayed, basically it's praying a prayer. Have mercy on us. They're, they are lepers. Jesus responds. You know, you think, well, okay, Jesus would turn to the side and he'd come back and he'd lay hands on them, anoint them, do something, and heal them and say, now see, now you're healed. Now go show yourself to the priest. Well, that would have been fine. That would have been good. But Jesus didn't do that. He said, well, you're crying out for mercy, so believe you received mercy. You cried out for mercy to be healed. Believe that you received mercy to be healed. And as they went to show themselves to the priest, they were healed, implying that as they began, let's just say this envelope represents leprosy. I'm crying out to Jesus. Jesus is saying, all right, go show yourself to the priest, and then you, don't, you, you will no longer be quarantined. You can, you can start mingling with the culture again. So I'm going, the priest is over here, so I'm going to, I'm on my way to the priest, and I'm, 
I have leprosy. And I'm on my way to the priest, but I have leprosy. I'm on my way to the priest, and I have leprosy. And the closer I get to the priest, the more anxious I become. But as I get closer to the priest, as I am going, as I am going, all of a sudden, I receive my healing. I received it as I went. And what we want to do is we want to wait till it's no longer ambiguous. We want, to, we want to see. We want to see it. We want to experience it. Now I believe it. Now I'll go to the priest. Well, if it turns out that way, if you, if you get a miracle healing, praise God for it. But many times our, our, our miracles and our healing and our provision comes to us as we are obedient. Because, and the reason we are obedient is because we believe what Jesus said. I see it as truth. And if Jesus said it, that is what I need to do. And by faith, I'm going to do it. I'm going to obey him. I'm going to obey him. Now turn with me to 2 Corinthians Chapter 4. Just want to give you a couple verses to think on and to meditate on to help you to help you develop or to train your eyes to see by faith, developing your eye of faith. Say, how can I do it? I, I really find this particular passage very beneficial. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart, even though the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Now, how can you not look at things that are seen, but you can look at things that are not seen? How's that possible? Again, remember, he's talking about natural eyes and spiritual eyes. You're not looking at things that are seen with the natural eye. Notice you are not allowing what you are seeing with your natural eye to be superior reality. It is reality, but it's not superior. There's a, there's a greater authority, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. I see that mountain. I see that mountain. I see that impossibility. But I choose not to look at it. I choose to look to Jesus. I'm lifting up my eyes to Jesus. Matter of fact, when you read through the Gospels, you'll see Jesus when he fed the multitudes, when he, and before he raised Lazarus from the dead, he lifted his eyes to Jesus. He lifted his eyes up to, up to heaven. You say, why do you think he did that? Get his eyes off of not being fixed on the circumstances and get his eye of faith on God, the provider, God, the healer, God, the deliverer. Get your eyes on him. So it's telling us here, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are what? What are they? Temporary. So what you are seeing and experiencing in the natural realm is subject to change. And we say subject to change. And I developed that in my mind over the years when, I, when, I, when I'm confronted with something, when I see something and, it, and it's not a good report, whether it be a medical or financial, what, whatever the situation may be, I, I exercise, I, I go through this, I call it a spiritual exercise, but I go through this exercise and, and, and I tell myself, this is subject to change. 
This is subject to, subject to change. This looks like an impossibility. This looks like an impasse, but it is subject to change. It is temporary. Because it is temporary, I know it's not going to last forever. And when I know it's not going to last forever, I, I, I know that because I'm not, don't, I don't have my eyes fixed on it. I have my eyes now. I'm fixing my eyes on that which I'm not seeing with the natural eye. I'm fixing my eye of faith on the solution, on the answer, on the promise of God, on the promises of God. And when you put your eyes on the promises of God, you'll be like Peter. You'll say, nevertheless, this doesn't make any sense whatsoever, but nevertheless, I'm going to do it because God said to do it. You'll be like the ten lepers. You'll go and you'll show yourself to the priest and you'll start that process while you are still lepers. You're not going to just wait and say, well, I can't go to the priest. You know, I'll, tomorrow morning I'll see what I look like. And tomorrow morning, uh, no, my thumb's still missing. I can't go to the priest. Next morning you wake up, ah, toes are gone. I can't go to the priest, I'm still lepers. But Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest, but I can't because I'm still lepers, and I'm not allowed to do that because I'm lepers. Well, the leprosy is subject to change. It's temporary when you get your eyes off the leprosy and get your eyes on the healer, and you start walking towards the healer. Start walking. It's called taking a step of faith. Taking steps of faith. Believing. Because I'm looking at the thing that is not seen, not yet manifested in this natural realm, but I'm believing it is real nonetheless. Faith is the evidence. Everyone say evidence of things not seen. So, well, Pastor Ray, how can you say you're going to go show yourself to the priest when you're still sick? You're not supposed to do that. By faith, I'm going. Faith is my evidence that I'm not. I'm not denying that I have this issue, but there's a greater promise, and the greater promise is, and the greater command is, go show yourself. So I'm going to muster up everything I have, and I'm going to go show myself, believing all the while that the evidence, that which is ambiguous, is going to dissipate. It's going to be gone in Jesus' name. It's subject to change. It's temporary. It's temporary. And I want to make that temporary very temporary. I want to make it even more temporary, as short as possible. So while we do not look at the things which are seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. God's promises are eternal. The kingdom of heaven, the promises of God, we want to learn to, to be, to be governing, governing our lives by the promises of God's word. One more scripture, Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 1 and 2. It says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So here's talking about God's plan for your life, God's will for your life. It's the caption, the heading in my Bible calls this the race of faith. 
And since we are surrounded with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight. Let's lay things aside that need to be set aside, things that are distracting to you, things that are weighing you down. And the sin which so easily ensnares us, sin is easily ensnaring you and us, and let us run with endurance the race before us, looking, everyone say looking. Who are we looking to? Jesus. And who is Jesus? He is the image, the exact representation, the image of the invisible God. So when you're looking to Jesus, you're looking to God, creator of heaven and earth the maintainer of the cosmic order, the kingdom of heaven. So when we're talking about an unseen realm, we're talking about the two different kingdoms, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of, of light, the kingdom of hate and the kingdom of love, and however you want to categorize it, but the kingdom of, the, of Satan or the kingdom of God, two different kingdoms, and, and they, they are, are continue to be clashing against one another, but the good news is we have a will. God has given us a will, and we can choose to look to Jesus. We can choose to partner up with him. We can choose, and you ought to make the choice, if you haven't already done so, that I'm going to leave this kingdom of darkness, and I'm gonna, I want to get in on this transfer over into the kingdom of his love, the kingdom of his dear son, and you do that by grace through faith in Jesus. We are transferred. We're transferred over into that. And now that I'm transferred over into that, I'm going, to, I'm going to continue to look to Jesus, the author, the finisher of my faith. I'm siding up with the creator of heaven and earth. Even the kingdom of darkness, Satan didn't start out as Satan. He started out as an angelic being. God created him. But through rebellion and envy, he and a third of the angels got cast out of heaven. That's how that whole chaos got started in the first place. And he's very deceptive. He's the deceiver of the brethren. He's always trying to deceive you with darkness and with lies and trying to, and trying to distract you. Matter of fact, the very thing that, that keeps God's word from producing in our lives is in, in, in the parable of the sower, talks about the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. The deceitfulness. Well, how do you become, uh, how does someone deceive you? By always flaunting stuff in front of you, always looking to, you know, things that capture your attention. It's things to take you away from, the, get your eyes off the kingdom of heaven. Get your eyes off the kingdom of God. And trying to distract you, thinking, well, it's far more fun in the kingdom of darkness. It's far more glamorous, and, you know, it's, it's just, it, it, it's, it's crazy, you know. It's just, we're having so much fun, we're having such a good time. You are. But it's temporary. It's temporary. God's kingdom is eternal, and we need to make the choice to walk into God's kingdom, to come into that by grace through faith, by making a decision in our heart we're going to do that. Now that we're in the kingdom of heaven, you still continue to walk by faith. You still continue to believe that faith is the substance of things hoped for and it's the evidence of things that are not seen. The not seen realm to your natural eye is very real, more real than this natural realm. Everything in this natural realm was created by things in the spiritual realm that you can't see with your natural eyes. But it's real nonetheless. When you think about the... Sometime, the next time you read about the plagues in Egypt, or the ten, ten plagues, or ten... 
Each one of those plagues, when you read, when you study into it, those plagues weren't just random plagues. Every one of those plagues that God sent was, was, was to confront an Egyptian god, a belief that they had in, in, in the certain gods. And every, every plague that was sent was to prove that Yahweh, God, is superior, God is the creator, and that all these other false gods cannot stand up. But it was all this cosmic battle taking place. It was angelic beings. So next time you think about angels, just forget about the halos. They're mighty angels. They're warriors. They're, you know, they're strong. They're, they're, they're majestic. And they're, they're powerful. And they're assigned to you. Realize it and, and recognize it. And just take some time and reflect on it and meditate on it. If you have to, just take some time and close your eyes and think about it. Say, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. When I think about my children, think about are they safe? My very next thought, I bring that thought into captivity and I say, no, thank you, Lord. Your angels are with them. Your angels are with them. Looking unto Jesus, the image of the invisible God, the evidence of the things that you are hoping for, the evidence of the things that you're believing for, you look around in the natural world, it's very ambiguous. You can pray your best prayer, most eloquent prayer, and you can say amen, and you open your eyes, and you look, and nothing's changed. You still feel the same. You still look the same. Your financial checkbook, for, some, for those of you that know what a checkbook is, <laughs> I'll get your dad to explain it to you, Nathan. So. <laughs> he, he can probably show it to you on your phone there somewhere. It just seems like your financial status hasn't changed a bit. Nothing's improved. But that's where we make our mistake. When you pray and say amen, open your eyes and lift them up to heaven and purpose and discipline yourself to see the results. If I look at my body, I look at my checkbook, I look at my environment, if that's the first thing I do after I pray and say amen to prove whether or not heaven is real, I've lost the battle. When I pray and say amen, when you pray and you say amen, discipline yourself to see the answer. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. It may not change the moment I said amen, but I'm seeing it change because I'm not looking at what's seen, I'm looking at what's not seen. And while I'm looking at what's not seen, I'm doing so by faith. I hope this is helping you. It's helping me. It's encouraging me to stay strong in the faith and not get discouraged and not, you know, not get frustrated but to believe that God is good, Amen. even when it doesn't feel like he's good. Believe that God is worthy to be praised, even when I don't feel like he's worthy to be praised. Well, if he's so good, if he's so worthy to be praised, why this and why that? I believe. I believe. I choose to believe. It may be ambiguous, but I'm believing. I'm believing. And that's required of you as a follower of God.
as a child of God, you're in the kingdom of God, you're now to walk by faith and not by sight. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everyone in the sound of my hearing today that in Jesus' name, your word declares that faith is developed in our hearts as a result of hearing your word. Father, we're hearing your word. We're hearing it through the songs that we're singing. We're hearing it through the, the words that are being spoken. So faith is rising up. Faith is developing. And I thank you, Lord God, as we leave here today, we're going to leave here as doers of the word and not hearers only. And Father, I pray for each household, for every individual, that in Jesus' name, in all the areas that we've been believing you, we've been wanting to believe you, but cautiously optimistic and and many times even more pessimistic than optimistic and, and many times being more like a Thomas and we openly declare that I, I just can't believe it until I see it. Lord, that we rise above that, that we rise above that and we come into that place where Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed. Father, we want to be living in that realm, believing even though we're not seeing, we're believing in Jesus' name. Name above all names. We thank you for it. We give you the honor and we give you the glory, Father. Open the eyes of our heart, the eyes of our understanding, our eye of faith that we may see. And we give you the honor. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. We see ourselves. We see ourselves. You need healing right now. Just stand up. Stand up. You need healing in your body. Father, I thank you and I praise you for those that are standing, that first and foremost, they see themselves right now as healed in the name of Jesus, name above every name, healed in the name of Jesus. And just as Jesus spoke to the lepers, he said, go show yourself to the priests. As they went, they were healed. So believe that as you go out and about, that you are healed. As you're going, you may have received it already, that's great, but if not, don't worry about it. As you're going, as you're going, you, you have it. See it. Walk in it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. For the, you need financial breakthrough. Stand up. Financial breakthrough. In the name of Jesus, Father, I thank you. You promise to provide every need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I thank you and I praise you that you are the God of heaven, the provider, just as you provide it for, for uh, Peter, when you told him to launch back out in the deep for a great catch of fish, later in the Gospel of John, you told the disciples to simply cast the net from one side of the boat, which was unsuccessful, to the other side, and they had great success. So, Father, thank you for, for simple, simplistic instructions, course corrections, that you're showing it to us. And, Lord, that we make those course corrections, that we cast the net on the other side, or we got in the day rather than the night. We, we are not just mixing it up for mixing it up, but that we hear distinctly from you what needs to be done and that you are bringing about the miraculous results and that we are seeing it. Everyone say, I see it. By faith, I'm walking in it. In Jesus' name, name above all names, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Now, if you are here this morning by any chance, you're here and say, I've never received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I've never had that experience of being conveyed from the kingdom of darkness over into the kingdom of God's dear Son. But I want to get my heart right with God this morning. Anyone at all, real quickly, want to pray with you, for you? You never received Jesus as Savior. All right, I don't see any hands raised. If you have anything else, specifically, do you want someone to pray with you on? Just come on up here. Some prayer people will meet you up here to pray with you. God bless you. 
Keep the switch of faith turned on. Keep the eye of faith open, focused on God, focused on Jesus, the exact representation of God. See the answer in Jesus' name. And what you are experiencing at the moment is subject to change. God bless you, and we'll see you next Sunday morning. And enjoy the holiday. Safety in your travels. Family, friends get together. The peace of God and the love of God be with you. God bless you.